Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. What's Wagner's rule of life number four? Nothing good happens outside a strip club at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry, I understand I might be like a dog with a bone on this, but this is just fundamentally wrong. It is an insult, but let's tee this up. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. I'm sorry, I think this is absolutely ridiculous. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. 63 degrees outside. It is, at least weather-wise, the calm before the storm. For everybody who was saying, oh, winter is gone time to get out the bikes actually we put air in the bikes tires you know so i haven't been out bike riding yet didn't get out yesterday afternoon but the bikes are all ready to go i think looking at the weather forecast for the next couple days that that's probably going to have to get delayed maybe to this weekend maybe a little bit longer but today is the calm weather wise before the storm we will continue to keep you updated looks like the northern part of the state still going to get whomped by a late well early spring i guess Huge snowstorm. We will keep you posted. The only good news about that is the storm comes and then the snow goes. All right. We have a lot of stories to talk about during the 1 o'clock hour of today's show. We are going to discuss the ongoing controversy about Aaron Rodgers. He sits down with a couple of our ESPN hosts and calls BS on a story that appeared last week in the Bleacher Report. We're going to discuss that and who do you believe. Summerfest announces all the sideshow lineups. Last year's Summerfest was the lowest attended Summerfest since 1993. And we're going to talk about why that might have been and whether this lineup is going to change that dynamic. That's coming up in about a half hour. But speaking of... Speaking of acts and controversies, I want to start the program off by what seems like an ongoing controversy involving one of the rarest things, really, that you find in popular music, and that is an outspoken conservative. I am talking, of course, about the Motor City Madman, Ted Nugent. Now, Ted Nugent is not on the Summerfest lineup, and I'm not surprised that he's not on the Summerfest lineup. Matter of fact, he hasn't been on the Summerfest lineup for years, if he's ever been on the Summerfest lineup. But Ted Nugent is out. He is touring, and he plays a lot of smaller venues, and he also plays a lot of county fairs. You will recall in years past, he has been a staple at the Dodge County Fair. He has been a staple at the Jefferson County Fair. And whenever Ted Nugent appears, he has a, a legion of, of very, very devoted followers who show up and who, who like the music. Ted Nugent, though, is more than simply a musician. Ted Nugent is an outdoorsman. He has TV programs on some of the cable channels talking about, you know, going hunting and things like that. And he is also an outspoken conservative. He is a supporter of Donald Trump. And some would say that, well, he's kind of kind of kooky. He is very, very far right. And he makes statements that from time to time you kind of roll your eyes at. Now, there are lots and lots of people on the left who are equally as far left and as kind of, well, 
again, sort of attention-grabbing, eye-rolling on the left as Ted Nugent is on the right. But because it's on the right, Ted Nugent gets a lot of attention, whereas the people on the left who say these outrageous things, it's kind of like, well, okay, there, there they end up going again. In any event, Ted Nugent on his tour in July and August, he plays a lot of county fairs, he plays state fairs, he plays venues like that, and he has been scheduled to play at the McHenry County Fair um, in, in McHenry, Illinois. So they've announced that he's going to be doing his show on August 3rd. They, the bookers said, well, I mean, the, the reason we're bringing Ted Nugent here is because we know he has a loyal and passionate following. We think the show is going to sell out. We expect that we're going to make a bunch of money by this. And, you know, again, we're we're in the interest. we got to fill seven or eight days of entertainment or whatever we have, and we think this is going to be a good headlining show. Well, no sooner do they announce that you know he's coming that you get the predictable responses. Social life goes, social media goes absolutely nuts. How can you bring Ted Nugent here? Don't you realize he's a hater? Don't you realize all the inflammatory stuff he says? Don't you realize he's not reflective of our community? Um, all these things. Have you ever listened to the lyrics of some of his songs? This is appalling, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We don't want no Ted Nugent. It's kind of the response. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, like I say, my guess is perhaps you have seen Ted Nugent in concert around here at one of the various county fairs. Maybe you don't like Ted Nugent's politics. That's fine. But the question becomes, based on his politics, should Ted Nugent be told well, he's not good enough or he's too controversial to play a particular county fair. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My response to all this is, hey, if you don't like the Ted Nugent show, don't go to see Ted Nugent. And if you don't like to support Ted Nugent because you don't like his politics, well, okay, again, stay home. But does that mean that other people who might be willing to buy tickets shouldn't be able to do that? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Do you have cat scratch fever? Back to discuss in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to take your calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. All right, Ted Nugent, the Motor City Madman, back out on the road this summer. He's been booked to play a county fair in Illinois, kind of in northern Illinois, and a a lot of the locals are very, very upset about this. It's how can you have Ted Nugent here? Don't you see some of the out-of-control things that the guy says? Have you listened to some of his song lyrics? We don't want him here. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. Steve in Green Bay. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. <clears throat> I told you, screeners, I think they should allow them to play. I mean, if you don't like them, vote with your wallet. Don't go. You look at some of the groups that get booked, especially a lot of the rap artists and the lyrics of those songs, much worse than Ted Nugent's ever said. 
so. Well, well, yeah. I mean, look exactly, and, and look at all look at all the performers, predominantly on the left, who you know interject politics as, as part of their shows. I, I, I'm I'm a fan of Bruce Springsteen's music. You go to a Bruce Springsteen concert, and you're going to have his politics just jam down your throat. Well, okay, you know that going in. I'm not arguing that you shouldn't book Springsteen because you know what he says. People want to hear his music, including conservatives who want to hear his music because they like songs like "Born to Run." You don't ban any of these people. I think based on their politics. Yeah, I agree. I think it's you know there, there's there's acts that I won't go see because of that. You right. Know, one of the guys who burned all his Dixie chicks. <laughs> the Dixie chick yeah. stuff. Yeah. And what he said about President Bush. I mean, it's just I pay to hear the music. I don't care for the politics. Keep it out of the show. Right, so. exactly. But but thanks for call. But you know, I mean, I, I, you you know that that's what you're perhaps going to get. I'm going to go to a show downtown Milwaukee on Saturday night. It's a a very very left wing folk singer, and I've been. The guy's name is Todd Snyder. He's playing at Turner Hall. I, he's very very left wing. I mean, the guy the guys. The guy is, you know, is sort of out of out of place and out of time because he would have fit in perfectly in 1967, and he's he's just he's an aging hippie. But I like his music, okay, and I understand there's a lot of political stuff that's going to be there. All right, but I, I I like his music, I like his songs, and you understand that that's what you're going to get. But I, because I like it. I'm going to go, even though I don't agree with a lot of it. But I'm not arguing that they shouldn't book him. And matter of fact, I know exactly what it is that I am getting into. So this idea that we should start to have a litmus test based on performers, I I think it's very, very dangerous. And it is interesting that you, you see this. And again, there's so few conservative commentators that are out there and for example in popular music and and don't get me wrong i i've said this before on the radio i think ted nugent is way 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 over the top in a lot of the stuff he says and i'm not going to defend some of the various comments that he's made you know so and so is guilty of treason and that type of stuff I, I i don't know if you believe some of this stuff or he just says some of the stuff he says to get a reaction but i i know that the stuff that ted nugent says is no worse than a lot of the stuff you get from some of the fringe elements of the left and if you ever even suggested that let's not bring this guy or this gal or this group to a particular performance because well, well heaven forbid you know look at where their politics are you would immediately be people have people like screaming saying oh your book banners etc etc how dare you deny people the right to do it and if you want to talk about as our first caller was alluding to lyrics and things like that i, I mean my goodness the stuff that you find in the Ted Nugent shows, and a lot of those lyrics are candidly a lot less objectionable than the stuff that you're going to find in some of the mainstream, you know, hip hop or, or urban type of, you know, urban music type of lyrics or the rap stuff. That's just the reality of this. Number of texts on this. Interesting how the liberal political crowd that always used to cry First Amendment is the one who wants to suppress it if it isn't to their liking. I'm not a Nugent fan, but I might just go to stick it in their perverse. Be all I. Here's another one. The tolerant left once again showing their intolerance towards those who don't share their ideas. See, I agree completely. Go to the Ted Nugent show if you want to go to the Ted Nugent show. All right, spend your money. If you don't want to support Ted Nugent and you want to stay home, go with God. Don't spend your money and, and end up staying home. No problem with that at all. But the bottom line is, I mean, I think the consumers get to decide, and it is a very, very dangerous, and it's a a slippery slope 
if you're going to you know start saying all right we're, we're not going to allow this person to perform because of their political views now let me put in an asterisk to what i'm saying i think that there are certain places where certain types of music may in fact be inappropriate and and by that i mean Let's say you've got one of these hard rap groups where every third word is the N-word and the language is talking about, uh, you know, the, the misogynistic stuff and things like that. Well, okay, I do think that there might be times when the performances, well, might not be suitable for a particular type of public venue. Okay, so that's, I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that that means that you take an X-rated act and you necessarily put it on, on stage in a county fair, but that's not what we're discussing here. We're talking about saying to Ted Nugent, no, you can't perform because we don't like some of the ideas that you're going to express. Will in Milwaukee. Will, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. How are you? I am well. Thank you, sir. What do you think? Okay, as a former broadcaster and programmer director at a station in this market, way back in uh, progressive radio, music is an art form, okay? Um, Ted the Sledge is awesome, you know. Political comments do kind of squeak out, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that, you know, yes, and I went to the last Springsteen concert here in Milwaukee, and, you know, he was not really political at at that point, but... Uh, you know, sometimes you, you just say, okay, I'm not paying this kind of money to, you know, hear that, but, mm-hmm. and you kind of go, hmm, it's, it's just an attitude, you know, if you go to an artist, you, you know there's going to be some kind of, um, I mean, mu- music being an art form, whether it be sure. a painting or... I mean, the 1812 Overture was not written for a tea party, right? <laughs> sure. Well, you know, I mean, they, they took, I mean, look, and I, and I understand artists, musicians have political perspectives, and sometimes that gets incorporated in the shows. And again, a lot of times people know about that. So you make the decision, you say, okay, I, I know, I know what the, t- I like John Fogarty, and, and I know, you know, what John, where John Fogarty is coming from, and I understand that uh, there's going to be, if I want to go hear the old Creedence Clearwater Revival songs, I understand that I'm going to get some dose of politics with that. And that's, that's okay. You can make the decision as to whether you want to go or not. But you don't say, okay, we're not going to have John Fogarty perform. If you're a regular listener to this program, you know that I'm a Jimmy Buffett fan. Jimmy Buffett's a big-time capital. He's a B-I-G-T-I-M-E lefty. He, he just is. But that's in his personal life. You know, when you go to a Buffett show, there, there's very, very little politics that, that, that come out because he knows that he's got this broad audience that's from the left and from the right, etc., et and the center, and he's trying to appeal to that. And as a performer, that's what he's going after. So I've always respected that. Bottom line is that this all this angst about, oh, my gosh, can we have Ted Nugent come to play here? It's going to be terrible. Is he going to completely and totally turn off our population? What does it say about us? Well, maybe it says that you got a lot of people in the community who like Ted Nugent. Hey, when we come back, as long as we're talking about entertainment, the Summerfest lineup for this summer is out. Is it going to help change the dynamics of what happened to Summerfest last year? Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. I am a huge fan of Summerfest. I have been, 
I have been going to Summerfest, well, pretty much almost since there has been a Summerfest. I was not at the Ice Bowl in 1967, but I was at Summerfest the night George Carlin got arrested for saying the seven words that you can't say on TV and in Milwaukee. I was at Summerfest the night of what they described the Summerfest riots. The English rock group Humble Pie was playing. I was there that night, um, and I've been there for a number of nights um, over over time. I think Summerfest is a tremendous experience. Every time I go down to Summerfest, and we, we will be broadcasting live, um, I think pretty much most weekdays uh, of Summerfest for sure, and probably sometimes on the weekend as well. I was looking at my schedule, and Brewer early Brewers games notwithstanding, you know, I'll, I'll be down there at the lakefront during Summerfest from noon until 3 doing the show, and I think that's that's great. I, I love it. Every time I go on to the Summerfest grounds, I will tell you, as somebody who remembers what Summerfest was like in the 1970s, and to see how far that Summerfest has come in 50 years, I, I'm just always blown away. And I think it is a tribute to the people, the, the Summerfest board, and to Don Smiley, and to Bob Babish, and to all the people that work so very hard to make Summerfest a success. So I'm a huge, huge fan. I think it is a wonderful uh, event for not just Milwaukee, but for southeastern Wisconsin and for the state. And I, I'm always amazed, given the fact that you know music festivals come and go, and some are really, really hot, and then then they end up disappearing. Well, Summerfest, you know, fifty plus years. I think this is going to be the fifty second year of Summerfest, and again, that that is a tribute to what goes on. Now, last year, the attendance at Summerfest was the lowest it had been since 1993. I mean, you, you got to go back a long time. Now, let me just say this at the beginning about attendance at Summerfest. The, for years and years, actually before Don Smiley took over, there was like this obsession with, okay, how, how many people can we cram onto the lakefront? And, and, and let's try to get as many people as we possibly can, and let's do all this free stuff, and let's get these kids here. And, and what ended up happening is the experience, I think, in some cases, wasn't as good because you put too many people into that confined area, and then it's no fun for everybody, anybody if you've got to wait you know, 20 minutes to use the bathroom or if what you've done is you've got a bunch of 16-year-old kids that are there who are looking to try to figure out ways to buy illegal, illegally buy beer. You, you need certainly a critical mass. But at the same time, you, you want you want it to be comfortable enough so that people can walk around and, and they can enjoy it at least a good portion of the time. And I think, you know, since Don Smiley came there, they've done a very, very good job of doing that. That being said, last year, lowest attendance since 1993, 766,000 people. Um, the year before, 2017, which was Summerfest's 50th anniversary, they had 831,000. Um, I'm, I'm looking at the numbers. I went back, I went back to 2011 and looked at the numbers. 2011, it was 878,000. 2012, it was 805. 2013, it was 840. 2014 was 851. 2015 was 772,000. Almost as low as what they had in 2018. So the numbers, the numbers vacillate a little bit, and it's always going to be somewhat weather dependent. I mean, if, if you get, you hit a, a stretch where you have several days of driving rain, that, the, that, that keeps attendance down. 
if you get, you know, really, really cold weather or occasionally really, really hot weather, although you don't, that time of year, you don't necessarily get really, really hot weather, that will suppress attendance as well. So there's all sorts of factors that go on. But last year, there was an issue. I mean, last year, $766,000, 766,000 people, lowest attendance since 1993. I believe part of that, part of it, was due to, I think, some of the musical acts that were there, I think, catered to a younger crowd. And I think some of, I think one of the things that happened last year, whether it was intentionally, whether it was intentional, or whether it was just by virtue of the acts that were out there and were touring, I I thought there was a lot of stuff that didn't speak to people who were in their 40s and 50s and 60s and 70s who still have disposable income and who still go to concerts. I think there were other factors as well, but that was, in fact, I think one of the things that was going on. Well, in any event, Summerfest has now announced its full lineup for Summerfest 2019. A lot of people are excited about it. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. All right. Are you looking forward to going to Summerfest this year? Why or why not? If you're not planning to go to Summerfest, what 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 could Summerfest do to draw you in? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, like I say, I'm going to be down there most weekdays during the day. I love the experience, and I, I actually, I love walking around after I get off the air at 3 o'clock, going to some of the side stages where it's not as crowded. But I'll probably go back a couple nights as well to see some of the other entertainment. 414-799-1620. All right, what does Summerfest need to do to get these attendance numbers up, if if anything? And again, I, I don't think, I mean, a million people for the length of the festival, that's too long. That's too many people on the grounds. That's not necessarily the goal, but there was a drop-off, and if the drop-off would continue, you know, that perhaps sends up red flags moving forward. Jennifer in Milwaukee. Jennifer, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jennifer. Um, you know, I haven't been, like I was telling your screener, I haven't been to Summerfest in three years. And for me, uh, I don't like some of the musical acts they bring in especially late at night, um, because they cater to a certain crowd, and they kind of scare me. Okay. Can I, Jennifer, let me, Jennifer, let me, let me ask you, a, it is a rude question for a gentleman to ask a lady, but how old are you? I am in my 40s. Oh, okay. All right. So you're, I you're, am in my 40s. Okay. I, have, I mean, I remember going to Summerfest when I first moved up here 20-plus years ago, and I had a blast hanging out with my friends on the 4th of July or the 3rd of July and just having an absolutely wonderful time. Right. But over the past few years, uh, I just, it doesn't appeal to me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you think they're not but, booking bands that you grew up with? Is it that, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the entertainment, you just don't know who it is or you're, you know, it, it's like, where, where are the bands that I grew up with when I was 18 and 19 and I, 20? I have such an eclectic musical taste in my life. I listen to the big bands. I listen to the 80s rock. I listen to some of the stuff that was out in the 2000s. I, I listen to it all. Right. But there's some of it that I just don't get, and I never will. And unfortunately, when you've got people on the, on the side stages, like the Harley stage, or one of the other stages like that, and not at the markets, where you've got a certain type of crowd that takes over Mm -hmm. and you've got mosh pits or you've got right only knows what you've got going on i mean i think that scares a lot of people away 
right. that would want to go and have fun in the, in the evening. So your your days of dancing on the picnic tables at ten thirty at night are, are kind of gone. <laughs> Oh, those were gone a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Okay, Jennifer, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. 414-799-1620. We continue the conversation. Okay, Summerfest has announced its lineup. I am a huge fan of Summerfest. What do you look forward to? And if you haven't been for a while, what would it take to get you to go back? We continue the conversation in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. I consider Summerfest Executive Director Don Smiley to be a personal friend. I also know a number of people who are on the Summerfest board. If they were to ask me my input, number one, it would be, I, I think last year, the lineup skewed too young. And I'm not saying you, you, you don't need to program for the teenagers of the 20-somethings. I, I do think that you have to realize that there, there are still people in their 40s and 50s and their 60s who still like to go down there and, and have a good time. That's number one. Number two, I think something that they really started doing maybe a couple years ago, but I really noticed it last year, is some of the, the special things like during the day where you had half-priced beer, and, I mean, let's face it, some of the beer is pretty pricey or whatever these specials were, things that made it incredibly affordable. Now, I'm not saying you can offer, like, half-price beer at 10 o'clock on a Friday night, but at the same time, you know, 3 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon, nothing, which happens to be when I get off the air, nothing wrong, you know, with offering some of these discounts. It, it makes it more accessible for people to be able to want to come down. Cindy in Portage. Cindy, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi. Hi, Cindy. Um, I, I'm in my 60s. My husband will be 70 this year, and we try to go every year. But we find that, you know, the music tastes are just different than what we were were used to, you know. Right. And I, I, I really think that if they had groups that would cater, you know, even if they're, you know, one original member in them or whatever, during the day, mm-hmm. I mean, we, you know, that would get a lot of people my age retired in there during the day we'll all be gone by six or seven we don't want to do the crowds anymore right but you'd still you'd be kind to come down if you say oh gee i you know because i mean state fair does a little bit of that you know as well i mean they'll, they'll program some of the um I don't know, some of the oldies music, what I'll call oldies music and stuff, but they, they, they draw huge crowds. And you're saying, hey, if there's something like that going on at 3 o'clock, um, as right, opposed to a young right. band, I might be inclined to come down there. And if you threw in you know, discounts on some of the food and half-price beer or whatever, you'd really be inclined to come down. Absolutely. Yeah, no, thank, thanks for calling. Yeah. See, and I guess I, that's, that, that's, that is part of it. And, again, I, I – I, by the way, I, I think Bob Babish does an absolutely great job. And, you know, in some respects, when you're programming music, you're, you're handcuffed to an extent about, okay, what bands are out there touring? You know, what can we, we bring in? Gee, we'd like to have this particular band, but they're not in the Midwest during the, the 10 or 11 days that Summerfest runs. So there's only so much that you can do. I think this year, just my cursory look at the different bands and the stuff on the sideshow, I, I think it is more I, I'm going to. I'm going to say mainstream. I don't know if that's the right word, but I, I think there's more stuff that out there that appeals to people of all different age groups. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Let's talk to Jeremy and Racine. Jeremy, you're on WTMJ. Jeremy. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Larry and Muskego. Larry, I hit the wrong button. Welcome. Hi. How are you? Hi, Larry. What do you think? Uh, my wife and I went uh, to Summerfest for our last time when Leon Rhymes came to the city for a one-night. Uh, okay. You know, and <clears throat> we're sitting there. We got there early, and we sat 
like halfway through the benches. Right. And uh, we sat there, and she came on. All the, all the young people stand up on the benches. Right. And, yeah, and shake them. <laughs> we, we, we could not see her. Yeah. We could not hear her because yeah. everyone was yelling. And we, I finally just got up and walked out. I, yeah. I said to my wife, this is ridiculous. Yeah, it is. I mean, thanks to God. And look, and I, I appreciate that. It's a different... It is definitely a different experience than going to, okay, so I mean, I, a couple of weeks ago, I was in Las Vegas, I went to see Cher at the new MGM Park Theater, it's 3,000 people, it's nice seats, I mean, it, obviously it's going to be different going to an outdoor concert like that, and there are kind of different expectations, and there's only, I mean, there, there's only so much you can do with that. At the same time, I never want to be that guy that's saying, okay, this is how I was 25 years ago, but now I, I, I don't want to be surrounded by people who are like younger versions of myself. Now, Jeremy and Racine. Jeremy, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you. Sure. Um, my wife and I went to Summerfest quite a few years back, and I tried to take her to the uh, what used to be the laser stage. Okay. And the number of people they would allow into that, that small venue was just overwhelming, and it became way too overcrowded. And as the night went on, it just seemed like they were funneling more and more people right. into it. So it, it became a more uncomfortable thing. My wife will not go to Summerfest unless it's at the main amphitheater. Right. Uh, because it's a little bit more controlled environment, and it's not as crowded as, as any of the ground stages. If it's a ground stage event, Right. She don't want nothing to do with it. It's would you go, Would you money. be inclined to go down during the day, maybe on occasion? Well, possibly. It all depends on who's there right. um, and what's going on. It's not so much the money. Um, it's just during the work week, though. Right. It's- a little difficult to get off and, and yeah. go down no. there for the whole day and things like that. Yeah, no, obviously, because I, I appreciate what you're saying about crowds. And as, as I as I grow older, even though I try to stay young, um, I, I do appreciate that I, I have less of tolerance for crowds than I'm not sure I ever. To be truthful, I'm not sure I had much tolerance for crowds at, at, at 20, much less, you know, now. And I understand what you're saying. I mean, you go, you know, it, it, you go to see one of the side stage headliners at 10 o'clock and you, you've got. You know, it, it's all the way back past the beer tents, and you know you're 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 standing and kind of craning and trying to see them. That that I think is part of that experience. If you want to see the bands up close, well, then you pay a bunch more money and you wait till they come and they perform in a different sort of setting. Actually, I I, I think some people think you know that that mass concert experience. And putting up with the people dancing on the tables and shaking their booty and all that type of stuff, that kind of comes with the territory. And, and that's always going to be the case. I, I, I do think, though, that you have to have these groups that appeal to everybody that are there. Jake in Milwaukee. Jake, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey. Hi, Jake. Uh, hey, how's it going? Hey, yeah, so I, I really feel like sometimes they're, they're just not creating enough of an environment that really brings, you know, the, the, the older crowd. I'm like 35, and I feel like there's it's a lot of the little kid stuff. And I think know, last year it skewed to you know like like teenagers and young. I think I think it skewed. Now Bob Babish might say I'm being unfair, but that was my general sense. But I will tell yeah. you, sometimes Jake, you know, the the beef is it skews too much for people who are in their their, their 60s. You know, it's yeah. so oh, and and it's tough. So that they they get hammered either way. I do appreciate that. Yeah. Well, and I I feel also there should be some different events than just maybe the uh, the, the, the 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 concert. There should be some kind of event that brings crowds there that for other reasons maybe 
um, you know, like with the paddle boats or something like that, but some kind of event that gets people to mm-hmm. go there that more so than just, you know, hey, hang out for the concert, but like maybe some better food venues where mm-hmm. we can actually sit down and, you know, watch, you know, and sit by the, you know, the lakefront there. Right. And enjoy it. No, no, I think, and these are all, this is why I wanted to have the conversation, because I think Summerfest is a wonderful, it is a, it is a a local, it is a regional, it is a statewide treasure. And you have this whole army of people that work very hard to put on the best shows possible. And and to an extent, like I say, to an extent, sometimes they're just kind of handcuffed, because if there's crappy weather, there's crappy weather. And and that's, you can have the best lineup in the world. But, you know, you're not going to go down there and stand in pouring rain. Or if it's really, really cold, you're, you're not going to you're less likely to, to go. I, I think I think this lineup has broader appeal, perhaps, than than certainly last year's lineup had. And I do think if they promote the affordability, let, let's do more of those hey, two for one beer days. And, and you do it during the day. I mean, you don't need to do it, like I say, at 10 o'clock at night. But, you know, that type of stuff that says, okay, well, we can go down here and maybe it's not going to necessarily be a $100 or a $200, you know, evening if we want to go down there and have a couple beers and we want to, you know, have some things to eat. I, I think that's all stuff that you can play around with to try to get people there for some of the, the non prime times. And I will tell you, seriously, Seriously, I I love Summerfest in the afternoon. I I do. It's typically there's people there, but it's not as crowded. You can almost always get a seat, and you can find some great bands. And if you did, to the point of some of our first callers, if you did have some of the more retro stuff, I don't know, that might even bring more people down. Hope it's a huge success. Like I say, we're going to be broadcasting live from Summerfest most days. I'll be down there most weekdays. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, very glad to have you with us. Well, we're about ready to go where angels fear to tread. The ongoing controversy between the Green Bay Packers, Mike McCarthy, Aaron Rodgers, and other Packers named and unnamed present and former. If, if you have been following this, about a week ago, uh, there was a report in a publication called Bleacher Report, written by a guy named Tyler Dunn, who's been on our airwaves a lot, former beat writer for the Packers. It was a lengthy feature. We had a link to it. And as a matter of fact, if you if you still want to see it, if you follow me on, on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I've just, I have a link posted to it, um, something that will take you, you to it. But it, it, the piece was incredibly, it was a, a very controversial piece, and it was a very unflattering piece. I mean, nobody in the piece came away well. The, the piece quoting sometimes for attribution some former Packers players and sometimes some unnamed current Packers players pretty much suggested that Mike McCarthy, the former Packers coach, had lost the team, that Aaron Rodgers, after he got his latest big contract, essentially became an unmanageable prima donna who would tell players, all right, I understand the coach has called this play. You don't run that pass pattern. I I don't want you to run a post pattern. I want you to run a square out or or whatever. This is what I want you to do. And then the players would do that type of stuff. And then the coaches would yell at him for not running the play. And they were all afraid of Aaron Rodgers, so they wouldn't kind of dime him out for doing that. Um, it, It 
it attributed players saying that um, Aaron Rodgers said very, very disparaging things about Mike McCarthy. It, it was just nobody came off looking well. Former coach Mike McCarthy didn't come off looking well. Aaron Rodgers didn't come off looking well. The Packers organization, starting with the president, Mike Murphy, certainly Mark Murphy, certainly didn't look like didn't come off looking well because they, they let this whole thing go on. And the big question is, okay, you've got a young general manager in his second year, you've got a new coach coming in, you know, what what have they stepped in? Okay, so that was the tone of the article. Well, yesterday with our colleagues at ESPN's Milwaukee station, Aaron Rodgers sat down for a lengthy interview. And again, I've got a link to that. If you follow me, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I've got a link to our coverage, summaries of what Aaron Rodgers said, as well as links to the audio if you want to follow it. But but essentially, Aaron Rodgers said that this story is by and large, it's pretty much completely untrue. He said there's a couple former Packers players who are just malcontents and they've been saying bad stuff about me for years and they continue to peddle some of these stories which aren't true he said look i i never had some of these conversations i had a good relationship with mike mccarthy i i wasn't i wasn't flitcher christian and mutiny on the bounty you know trying to undermine him yeah you know we we had a long-standing relationship you know it went back and forth and, and yes we'd have disagreements but i'd go over to his house he'd come over to my house we'd have these different meetings we always worked it out i wasn't this guy that was trying to undermine him there's the ongoing story about uh, one of the premises of the bleacher report story was that rogers and mccarthy never got along because mark mccarthy was the offensive coordinator in San Francisco, the year Rodgers was drafted and was passed over and had to sit around to like the 22nd pick. And, you know, Rodgers says, look, I, I I don't know what to make of this stuff. I mean, if I ever had a chip on my shoulder, it pretty much ended after we won a Super Bowl in, in 2010. So anyhow, you know, Aaron Rodgers ripping this smear attack says a lot of this stuff is just made up. It's fundamentally untrue. We have a good relationship, etc. All right. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The the Green Bay Packers are of course a, a Wisconsin institution. And people people around here I always try to explain this when, when we travel, that, that people people view the, the Green Bay Packers in just sort of a different way. You, you there's a lot of support for the Milwaukee Bucks. There's sure a lot of support for the Milwaukee Brewers, but the Packers are, are almost and I say this not to be blasphemous during uh, as we're coming up on Palm Sunday, but they're, they're almost like a religion sometimes in in Wisconsin. And if you grew up in Wisconsin, you are a Packers fan. And you read this stuff and you get the idea that it's just this dysfunctional mess. So let us tee this up. We are all on the outside. But my question to you is, all right, Aaron Rodgers says hey, this stuff just flat out is not true. All right, so is Aaron Rodgers the victim of, of drive-by journalism or... You know, is is he sort of an extremely talented, you know, prima donna who once he became the highest paid player in football, essentially let it go to his head and decided that he was going to take over the team? 414-799-1620. Or is the truth somewhere in between? How big a deal is this? And is there really a villain in the piece? 414-799-1620. If you're on the line, please hold on. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. 
Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back, 62 degrees outside. If you want to see both the Aaron Rodgers lengthy interview, with summaries of that, as well as the audio, if you follow me again, it's at Jeff Wagner's Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. I've got links and, of course, a link to the Bleacher Report story from last week that makes all sorts of references that essentially implies that, you know, Aaron Rodgers prima donna that had Mike McCarthy run out of town. Aaron Rodgers says, look, none of that is true. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Dave on the south side. Dave, good afternoon. Yeah, Jeff, um, I don't think I believe uh, Aaron, because I think some of the plays were changed during the last year that weren't meant, McCarthy didn't meant them to be that way. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not good if they're letting them change plays and going over management. I don't think they didn't let anybody but Aaron ever do well, but let me ask you this. Has he earned the right to do it? I mean, this is one of the best quarterbacks of, of all time, um, to, you know, and, and he's got this creativity. Should should he have the right to do stuff like that? Uh, it, you know, he's a hero if it works. If it don't, he's not. So, you know. No, that's, that's no, no thanks, thanks to call. No, there, there's no question about that. 414-799-1620. Scott in Elm Grove. Scott, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey. Hey, Jeff, thanks for taking my call. Sure. You know, this has actually been, I don't know what it is, but I've thought this for the last few years. I, I have felt during press conferences that Aaron Rodgers has been awfully petty. Um, I also feel as though when the article comes out, when he's finally asked, he attacks the author, he attacks what he calls irrelevant players. And, and the only question I have is, you know, he could have he could have helped make the team better, too, with restructuring his contract. But I think the biggest question is the most winningest team that has been for the last decade is the New England Patriots. Do you think Bill Belichick would let him call his own plays? How long do you think he'd play for Bill Belichick if he wasn't following or towing the line? Yeah, yeah, there, there, yeah. Tom, Tom Brady does not have the flexibility that Aaron Rodgers is. Let me ask you this, Scott. Yeah. What, how does this impact Rodgers' legacy? Is this the type of thing that's going to change how he's viewed by by people in Green Bay? Well, you know, for me personally, I've been very skeptical of him the last few years. And, and maybe it's, you know, maybe it's just because I read into his, you know, maybe I look at it at the, you know, from the standpoint of he's awfully petty. He's got players that you can tell behind the scenes that don't necessarily care for him. And yeah, I do think it's going to affect his legacy. Absolutely. What if he gets back to another? What if he wins another Super Bowl or two before he, it's all over? <laughs> <laughs> I, will, I will like him and respect him a little bit more, Jeff. Right? Okay. No fair. No fair. No. Th- thanks. No. I mean, I. I, I think. I, I. I think that's fair enough. There, there's. There's no question that you. You look at. You look at the Packers under Mike McCarthy and, and with Aaron Rodgers and with some of the teams they have, and I'm, I'm going to use the word underachieving because I, I mean that. Given this talent, you would have thought perhaps that there would be more than one Super Bowl in, in all that time. And, and, and not taking anything away from the Super Bowl victory. I was there. It's one of the best sporting events that I have ever attended was being there in, in person. But, I mean, I think there has been a degree of underachievement. I think there's a lot of blame for that to go around. I, I think, you know, Ted Thompson, for whatever he accomplished in the beginning of his tenure, he was punched out the last several years. And I, I think, you know, Packers management should have picked that up and have done something and and now now you've got this that that's going on but i mean i think when you talk about legacy types of things 
I guess I look at this and say, my, my guess is the truth is probably somewhere in between. Um, I, you know, you watch Aaron Rodgers on the field and you, you can see him calling out people and stuff and saying, oh, you're supposed to be here. You're supposed to be there. And, you know, showing up your teammates, that's typically, you know, e- even if you're right. That's typically, you know, not the best way to go about things, to publicly embarrass people on a, on a regular basis. Um, as far as his legacy, I mean, I agree with Scott, our last caller. I think, d- does this hurt him? Well, maybe it does, because some people are going to have certain views of this, and it appears there's different camps. Winning changes everything. If the Packers go to the Super Bowl this year and have this great turnaround, and they go to the Super Bowl next year, well, all right, I, th- I think people are going to forget all about this. 414-799-1620. Rick in Stevens Point. Hi, Rick. You're on WTMJ. Hi. What do you How think? You? I'm good. What do you think? Who's do you, do you believe all this stuff that's out there about Rodgers? Oh yes, I do. Ever since he got that contract, he's got a big head, a size twenty, and I think the players are absolutely right about him. He is too arrogant for himself. What? Where do we go from here? So he, he's the highest play, paid player in, in football right now. He represents a huge chunk of the Packers' budget. I mean, he's going to be the, the face of this team for the next several years. You think so? I don't. What Remember do you, what they said to Brett Favre? The train left the station. Yeah. Don't be surprised they do that to him. Well, except that, but they they made this huge commitment of. I mean, if if that happens. You know they're they're still going to have be they're going to be paying him for the next several years if if he's not performing at a high level that's really going to handicap the the Packers just because they're paying him so much money. Is that a guaranteed contract? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't, didn't well, think it was. I thought if he got injured or something like that, he couldn't play anymore. It would be null and void. No, I don't. Well, I mean, I th- thanks. For, I mean, the, the contract is front loaded. No, I mean they're on the hook for the dough. I I don't think. I mean, that's my, my understanding. They're they're on the hook for the dough. They can't just simply say, okay, we're going to let you go. Now they can let him go. It's like a lot of contracts. They can say, okay, we're you know we don't want to play you. We're going to release you or whatever. But you still have to pay him. So no, no, no. This is this is a substantial commitment, and there's all this money up front that counts against the salary caps and things like that. But no, I mean the truth is the Packers, at least in my opinion, the Packers need the 35 year old Aaron Rodgers to play like the 28 year old Aaron Rodgers. I mean that that, and they're paying him like that, and, and they need. They need to get past this. Tim in Sheboygan. Tim, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yes, Jeff. What do you think? Well, we'll never know what occurred up in Green Bay in that locker room. There's a chain of commands inside a football team. Head coach, assistant coaches, and down to the players. Mm-hmm. The head coach is the one who has all the problem solving. Sometimes McCarthy may have been complacent, and he simply had to call out to his assistants. And it seems to me that uh, news media and the writers have portrayed and tried to pride in Aaron Rodgers' personal life with the relationship of Dana Patrick. Uh, I can only imagine. And the family that. back when, when he was dating, yep. what was the, the actress, Carter. whatever her name was, yeah. Yep, yep. So they tried to get inside his life. Uh, you know, for Wisconsin, we've, we're all Packers fans. Um, simply want to see the Packers to see that's a legacy. Uh, era that continues on. I mean, they don't call a title town for nothing. Right. Uh, as far as Aaron being arrogant, I don't think so. Um, his $135 million contract, probably three to four years that you somebody close to breaking a record, whether it be a running back or a receiver, uh, that money will look like small change again. But uh, as far as Aaron, I think mean, he's true blue. 
just as good as Favre was, and uh, he'll be there for the next three to five years. Well, good. I think, and, and hopefully he's able to perform at, look at a high level. I mean, here's the bottom line of all this. If if Aaron Rodgers uses this as motivation, that that's great. If if he comes out and plays like the Aaron Rodgers of 2010, everybody is going to forget all this. There, there's no question in in my mind about that. If the Packers go on, and I mean, I look, I, I think sometimes things just get tired, and and there's no question in my mind that. You know, the, the relationship between Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers probably got frayed, just like in, you know, certain times. You see also, you see business partners. After a while, maybe they could be the best of friends or be really successful, and then just, they, you just kind of get tired of each other. That's just what happens from time to time. Do, do I believe the story in its entirety? No, I think that there's people that are out there clearly grinding axes. Do I think that there's probably some of it that's true? Yeah, I, I think there's probably some of it that's true. Aaron Rodgers, I mean, I, I think perceives himself as one of the best players in football, if not the best player, and I'm sure he carries himself in that way, and that's probably off-putting to some people. Bottom line of all this is he's 35 years old. He's got a lot of great football, hopefully, ahead of him, and if the Packers go out and they string together a bunch of wins – Everybody is going to forget this moving forward. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Welcome back. This is Jeff Wagner. We're from the IRS, and we're here to help you. How often have you heard that? All right. For for many people, this year is a transitional year, and there's a lot of sticker shock that's going on. We've talked about this before. There was massive tax reform last year, and the the idea, what what essentially happened is the, the standard deduction, the amount that you get to take automatically, increased dramatically. At the same time, what the government did was it limited your ability to claim deductions for state and local taxes that you paid. Um, so as a result, since they capped that, there were a lot of people who used to be able to itemize who can no longer, or it doesn't make any sense to itemize because the standard deduction is more than the deductions that they have. They also did things like doing away with the alternative minimum tax, which I thought was an evil sort of thing. And as a result of that, for some people, your, your taxes went up a little. For some people, your taxes went down a little. It really kind of depends on what state you live in, etc. No, a number of people who thought they would be getting a larger tax refund than they are just didn't recognize that one of the things that happened is when the IRS passed these changes, they came out with new withholding tables so your employer withheld less money every two weeks or whenever you get paid. So they withheld less money. So you got more money every two weeks, maybe $20 more or $25 more every two weeks. And as a result, since, you know, you'd end up, you'd paid less taxes up front, your, your, if you were going to get a refund, the refund was smaller. And that surprised a lot of people. The IRS is working towards the goal of not having to give refunds and not having to have people have to write checks for underpayment. They, they, their goal is to have everybody essentially pay what they owe in taxes. And, and it, it's, that's sort of an impossible goal, but that's what they're, they're working towards. 
And so I want to tell you about something that is going on that is going to affect your life in a big way, not this year, but next year. And so you better be prepared for it. And it's also a change that I don't think is going to necessarily be workable, but they're going ahead and doing it. Now, you fill out what is called a W-4 form, and it's where you tell your employer how much what, what withholding you want to have happen. And think about that form that you filled out. It's really kind of a simple form, and it basically asks, do you have any dependents, and how many you know exemptions do you want? You know, one, two, three, four, and your withholding is adjusted for that. Well, that is a very, very imprecise form because it doesn't take into account Well, you know, other income that you might have or things like that. Yeah, I mean, so the withholding is based on what your salary is. But, you know, what if you've got all sorts of other withholding or what if you've got all these massive deductions that it's an imprecise way to go about it. So the government has decided they want to be more precise. So they are coming out with a new W-4 form and it's being studied right now the first draft that they had they sent it to all these different tax professionals and the tax professionals went oh my god if you do this you know nobody's going to know how to fill this out these new w4 forms are going to be like having to fill out your taxes so here's here's what's changing instead of simply just being able to claim you know this is how many exemptions i i want that's not what you're going to be able to do you are going to have to list like your non-wage income like interest and dividends how much do you think you're going to get in interest from your cds you're going to have to list itemized and other deductions you're going to have to list income tax credits for the next tax year you're going to have to list they think your spouse's income because that could affect things you're going to have to provide all this information and nobody knows exactly what they're going to ask for but this is a lot of the things that they know that the IRS wants now think about the impact of this all right now it's pretty easy the w4 form you put down the number and it ends up one two three whatever that might be can you imagine if you said to every employee in the United States okay here's what we need you to do we need you to fill this out and we need you to put in your estimates about all these different things that you're going to get we need you to tell your employer how much your spouse makes I mean just just think of that from a privacy perspective but that's what the IRS is going to do the new draft version is supposed to come out by the end of next month and then they're going to ask for public comment on it but it's about to become the simple act of withholding is about to become a lot more complex and I think when people see whatever the final version of this form is, there is going to be open rebellion because people aren't going to say, wait a second, I don't want to tell my current employer. I, I don't want my current employer to know you know, what, what I think I'm going to be able to deduct. I don't want my current employer to see my estimate as to how much other income I, I think I'm going to be receiving. I sure don't want my current employer to know how much money my wife is making. I just but that's all going to be, I think, required. And once people see it again, I I think there's going to be another massive revolt. And I would not be surprised to see if this ends up becoming an issue next year in the elections. And it's something that just I think, you know, 
the people in Congress and the people in both the House and the Senate need to start thinking about, because once the American people see the new information that this new tax code is going to require them to provide, I don't think people are going to like it. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's huge pressure to just go back to where we were. I understand what the IRS is trying to accomplish, but once you see what they're going to be asking you to do, I don't think you're going to like it at all. Coming up next, lions and tigers and robots, oh my. Stick around. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Rue, who's producing the show today and always. You know what a Roomba is? Yeah. Uh, self, like the robotic vacuums. You have one right. at your house? No, I don't have one. You do not. Okay. Well, actually, I have um, an acquaintance of mine does have one of these things. And it's it's just, it's really kind of freaky. If you haven't seen these things, they're just... Um, I, I I don't know. They're they're a circular thing, and they just you, you put them on the floor, and they just run around the floor, and and they vacuum stuff up, and the eye, and they just kind of you know bounce around. The Goodwoods can go on carpet, and they can go on wood floors, and they can go on tile floors, and they they kind of just like bounce around. They've got it's sort of like a bumper car thing in a way, so that when they hit a wall, they just bounce up and they go off in a different direction. You just turn them loose, freaks out the dogs, but that's what it ends up doing. All right, so. This has been something that more and more homes have been having. We don't have one in in our house. All right. Walmart. Walmart announced that currently I think they're they're starting wage that they they guarantee at least 13 bucks an hour and by next year they've made a commitment to going up to $15 an hour. So for all the people who like for example go after the fast food stores and say, "Well, it's you know, we they need $15 an hour." Okay, Walmart at least is saying, "Hey, we're paying $15 an hour." All right? Here's what Walmart also though announced that they were doing. Uh starting well immediately what they are going to do is they are going to increase their use of robotics in apparently 1,500 of, okay, um, they're going to, in 1,860 of their stores, they are going to start using robotic floor scrubbers, which are essentially like these rumbas, except they're on steroids. I mean, they're not these tiny things. They're, they're these big automated floor scrubbers so instead of having a guy that's there you know mopping or wiping the floor or polishing the floor what you do is you have one of these floor scrubbers that just does this automatically they've tried it in like 300 stores and apparently they say it works so they don't need a person to do this anymore so 1,800 of their stores, and they've got like 4,600 stores, 1,800 of them are, are going to have these these automatic floor things. On top of that, what they're also doing is they're rolling out their robots that are going to scan shelves and do stocking. So uh, like what will happen is a truck pulls up. And they the, so at the back, you've got the warehouse in the back, the truck pulls up delivering stuff. Well, what they do is they load the stuff on on a conveyor line. And instead of having to have people in the back that are, are sorting this out, what is it? Where does it go, etc.? They've got robots now, a scanning system 
and conveyor belts, which will automatically take whatever it is that's come in, and they will put it into you know the appropriate area back in in the warehouse. Similarly, they'll have scanners that are going to like run through the stores, and they'll signal you know when you need more motor oil or, or when you need this. Bottom line is what this technology is going to do is reduce the need for people. And, you know, what Walmart is saying is, well, you know, we're going to do this, but this is just going to free people up to do other sorts of things. Right. Call me a cynic. But I think what you're going to see is I think it's not so much designed to free people up to do other things. What it's doing is it's having the robotics that are actually there to take people's jobs. And the more you increase your minimum wage, this case, you know, bumping up to $15 an hour, the more you make it likely that Walmart's going to put this stuff in even faster. Also, I think you're going to see more and more of these large retailers following suit. Our number is 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here's what I would like to discuss with you. Automation, all right, automation has changed stuff, you know, since the the industrial age started. You know, that's, you know, it used to be that you needed lots and lots of people on assembly lines in factories, and then you had more and more automation, and you needed fewer and fewer people. That That's always been the case. But now when it comes to things like retail or it comes to fast food, you're starting to see as wages go up, you're starting to see more and more, it becoming more and more financially desirable for the companies to automate. So 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this is this another reason to hate Walmart? The fact that they're turning to more automation, the fact that you're not going to need people to polish the floors, that you're not going to need people to, uh, again, sort out all the goods that come in. Is this a reason to hate Walmart, or is this just companies becoming more efficient, especially as their labor costs go up? 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. As, as Gru is lining up the calls, let me give you my take on this really quickly. This, to me, is inevitable, and this is, I think, something that that young people and middle-aged people and older people have to consider moving forward. The world constantly changes, and the idea that, well, you know, you're if you're in retail or you're in fast food and what in the past was really like labor intensive. You needed the person behind the counter. You needed the person at the drive through line and the fast food thing. I think that whole world is changing. And this is just another example of it. You've seen it with the kiosks that they put in, in fast food places. You know, all right, yeah, you raise the salary of workers. But at the same time, if for $5,000 you can go and you can buy one of these self-service kiosks and people can go in and they can just order the stuff automatically, so all of a sudden you don't need three people behind the counter taking orders. All you need is one person who's like passing out the food. That's, That's where we're going. And for good or for bad, the more you see this push towards, okay, give us $15 an hour, give us $20 an hour, give us whatever, the more you see that, the more desirable 
you make it for the companies to automate. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Tim in Milwaukee. Tim, you're first. Good afternoon. Hey, how are you? I'm well, thank Um, you, sir. I've been in retail my whole life, basically, and one thing that there's a huge shortage of is health right now. Right. And if the cutting of jobs at Walmart were to occur, they would be nabbed up. Those employees that lost their jobs, if that were to occur, would have a job in a minute if they chose to. And it may not be the $15 an hour job that Walmart is offering, but Walmart also may be setting a standard now that other retailers can't avoid and start, you know, hiring people and paying them with the $15 or $13 an hour, something greater than what they're making now. But I really don't think, like I said, there's such a shortage of help for retail work that I don't think it's going to be that big of a deal if they do start cutting. And I don't think it's a reason to hate Walmart because those that are left standing are making $15 an hour. Right. I guess, do you think that, I guess my question is, is if, if Walmart is at the the tip of the spear, if Walmart is, is kind of starting this this trend, although a number of fast food restaurants are putting in the kiosks, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow. But if this becomes the standard in like retail industries for like the large companies and stuff, could it have an impact then, or do you just think there's it's it's never going to be that widespread enough? I don't think it's going to be that widespread. And, you know, I'm doing a crystal ball here because, right. you know, you just don't know how it's going to affect. But, but again, I can tell you that there's uh, such a shortage that maybe uh, because of all the great big stores that are opening and looking for help, both in the mm-hmm. grocery industry and retail, I think it's going to be an easy refill of employees if they do begin cutting. I don't think it, it's going to be 10 years, I think, before it really has an effect to be on this. Okay, no, fair enough. And, and that, that could very that, that could very well be. But I, I think, you know, just like, just like the Internet changed all sorts of industries, I mean, talk to people who, you know, work for newspapers about, you know, what the Internet did. I think this increasing technology, and I think this automation, and I think now that the use of robots and stuff, you heard it here, I think this is going to have a dramatic impact. Now, Tim said, I think it's going to be at least 10 years. My guess is it's a lot quicker as wages go up and the payback period for installing that kiosk or Hey, you know, we've now put these in 1800 of our stores and and you know what? You know the, the these sweepers, these robotics, they they don't call in sick and they don't need lunch breaks and they clean this stuff. We don't need people to do this anymore and you know we stock the shelves, all these things, you know, we now organize all this. It's all automated. I I just I wonder where this ends. 414-799-1620. J- Jason in New Berlin. Jason, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I, I think you're completely missing it. I think this is a game changer for the whole American economy. Mm-hmm. When you have one of the largest employers paying $15 an hour, they're going to get all of the best and brightest of the kids that are coming up in those entry-level jobs, and they're going to be able to keep them. And what it's going to do is going to make those 12 and $13 an hour jobs now that are semi-skilled are going to have to pay 17 and $18 an hour. So, I mean, this is, a, I feel, is a huge game changer for the American economy. But what if, what if by doing this, 
they're able to cut their workforce by a third because now we don't need – yeah, the people we're keeping, we're, we're paying them more, but we don't need anywhere near as many people because we're, we're turning to automation for all these jobs. It's better for the guys that are staying or gals that are staying, but you've got a third of the workforce that's no longer employed. Does that hurt them? But, but Jeff, Jeff, I'm the cynic like you are. Do you really think – that they were not going to put in that automation at some point. I mean, look what Harley did. They got rid of a huge amount of their workforce so they could pay the wages and then brought in the robot. They're going to do that anyways. I think the game changer is how the other employers are going to have to react to this. And anytime you raise the rate, employers are going to use less people. But if you look at the unemployment, we're so low right now, they, they need to do something. Well, it'll... It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out because, yeah, right now, there, you know, right now it, it's a it's a seller's market. The sellers, in this case, being the employees, because you've got so many of these people who these stores that are just you know desperate, particularly for this kind of like entry level or quasi entry level work. As automation becomes more affordable, though, and they don't need as many people, I do think there's going to be a point where the pendulum just swings. But bottom line is, if you're walking through a Walmart late at night and you see this robot that's moving through, sweeping the floors or polishing the floors, uh, don't be surprised because it is the wave of the future. Just kind of get out of the way. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Measles as a childhood disease was almost, almost completely and totally eradicated because of the presence of vaccines. This year, and what is it, April, what are we, April 9th? Is that what today's date is? Today is April 9th. All right, already this year in the United States, there have been 465 cases of measles reported, and that's as of uh, two days ago. So there's probably more that are out there. To give you some perspective, um, that's more, that's more, that's the preliminary tally, and it's the most since 2014. In all of 2014, there were 667 cases of measles reported. We're already almost at 500, and we're not halfway through the, the year. What's happening also is just from you know one week to another, in the last two weeks, the number of reported measles cases went up like 80. Just ballpark. It went up like, like 80. And so what you're seeing is in certain areas you're seeing an epidemic. The mayor of New York has declared this a public health epidemic. The mayor of New York is saying, hey, we've got a public emergency. And what he's saying is that um, unvaccinated individuals in certain zip codes um, are, are going to have to come in and, and get and get vaccinations. Because what you're starting to see is this epidemic, which is is spreading. Um, part of the reason it is spreading is because you have more and more people who have kind of bought into the whole anti-vaccination thing, and, and we've talked about that before. The Center for Disease Control says the vaccines are perfectly safe, but there's people who choose not to believe that, so they don't have their kids vaccinated, and as a result, what happens is more and more kids get the measles. Our number is 414-799-1620. Whenever I talk about this. I inevitably get a number of different emails from people who have, number one, concerns about the vaccine, 
but number two, who don't think the return of measles is a big deal. Jeff, you know, there, there's there's me. It was a common childhood disease. People would get the measles. They'd be uncomfortable. They'd be sick for a little while. But then, you know what? After a week or so, the measles go away, and, and they're better. It, it's no worse than when people, you know, come down with the flu. It's no worse than, you know, some of these different other things that are out there. Who cares if measles are making a return? Yeah, we understand that in certain people, you know, maybe it can have a really bad effect, but that's that's the vast minority. What do we care if measles returns? I get a number of those emails and and texts and occasionally phone calls. Our number is 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I admit I am very frustrated by this this conversation. I think measles are a really, really big deal, in part because if people can come down with the measles, I agree that for at least, you know, for most people, you get them, you're going to be uncomfortable. Your kids get them, your grandkids get them, they're going to be uncomfortable for a little while, and they're going to get over them, and then they're going to have that immunity. I understand that. But measles are incredibly, incredibly infectious. And so, you know, your kid that's walking around, you know, with the measles, and the measles, and you, you have them, you're communicable for like a week or two before you actually see signs of this, and it's it's very it's spread very easily, it's spread in the air. Your kid that's infected with the measles goes into a daycare thing and sneezes or starts coughing. That virus is, is out there for other kids to breathe in. And yeah, I understand that for, you know, most kids, you're going to be sick, you're going to be uncomfortable, but you're going to get over it. Well, there are people who have compromised immune systems, and it could be fatal. There are infants who don't have developed immune systems who are too young to get you know, vaccinated, and that can cause serious problems as well. All right, our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, I think these childhood diseases, I think they are a big deal. I think it is nothing short of of a travesty that you are seeing things that have essentially been eradicated by virtue of medical science that are making a comeback. And I think it is, in fact, a big deal that people get the measles. So are we overreacting to this? I mean, like I say, I understand if you were a certain age, what what what's the big deal? You get the measles. It's like any of these other childhood illnesses. You're sick, uh, but then you get over it. All right. Are we overreacting to the return of the measles? My answer is absolutely not. 414-799-1620, but I am willing to discuss this. And for those of you who have children, particularly small children, are, are you concerned that measles appear to be making a comeback? We discuss in just a minute. If you're on the line, please hold on. It's 214. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here are the estimates. They say that with children, as many as 1 in 20 children who get measles 
also develop pneumonia. This according to the CDC, and pneumonia is the leading cause of death among young children. About 1 in 1,000 children who contract measles will also develop encephalitis, which is swelling of the brain, which can lead to serious complications, including death. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Edwin in Eagle. Edwin, you're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon, Jeff. Hi. Um, I'm a new parent. I got a 17-month-old little girl who's in daycare, and in the last 17 months, I've never been more sick myself in my whole life. I'm 33 years old. <laughs> right. I had I got hand, foot, and mouth disease from her for two weeks. I mean, which is very rare that an adult gets it. I I cannot see how any parent wouldn't take any and every precaution that they can to have your kid vaccinated. And anything that's going to help them maintain a healthy lifestyle, sure, they're going to get sick enough. I, I don't understand how parents get their kids into daycare and school without proving that their kid has had vaccinations. And it's recommended by the pediatrician and many, many doctors that your kid gets vaccinations, and they need to be vaccinated, in my opinion. Let me ask you this. Do you do you feel uncomfortable? Would you feel uncomfortable having your child, you know, go into school um, with kids who weren't, in fact, vaccinated, for these, whether it's measles or mumps or whatever? Absolutely. I know she's very young and susceptible to any disease, so I, I cannot see them allowing this or unvaccinated kids to be in a daycare and i don't think that they allow it because it's a private business and they can regulate that and i'm very concerned and i hope that my daycare would at least take care of that and verify that kids have had their vaccines to go to that daycare yeah because you don't want your kid coming home with measles and (laughs) much less or coming home with anything else that she's going to give you (laughs) i've had enough already i know (laughs) more to come though <laughs> I, right thanks no there, there, there's just no question about that you know then you know you know measles in older people probably not as much of a concern except i mean there, there's folks who there's folks who've never been vaccinated and there's folks who have you know com- compromised immune systems and all and look there are there is a subset of the population a small subset but there is a subset who legitimately can't be vaccinated because of medical reasons but that's that's not where the majority of the the non-vaccinated children are coming from it's from people who well i i heard this on the internet or i saw this documentary that, that said that you know vaccines can be bad etc cetera, etc cetera. And, and all i know is that all the reputable medical sources they, they just they just completely discount that starting with the center for disease control let's start with mike and bayview mike you're on wtmj yeah, hi, Jeff. Hi, Mike. Yeah, I'm, I, I tell you, you know, it's, it really bothers me. Now, I got grandkids that are going to school, and, you know, and then if, you know, that if Mike, if they were inside of classes, you know, where they didn't have any, uh, if they didn't have shots there, I would be, I would be pretty upset. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe they should take and drag these their parents to a funeral, you know, or to casket and say, here, this is what happens if you, you know, this could happen if your child doesn't get uh, test or gets uh, shots. Right. Because, you know, this is... This, this has gotten to the point that, you know, that I'm tired of the people using excuses. A lot of it is just plain, they're just too damn lazy to take their kids to the doctor. I, I think, I really, really do believe that. Well, I mean, I, thanks for, I mean, I guess I don't know that I, thanks for, I mean, see, I don't know that it's, it, it's lazy, but I think there's this incredible, 
amount of misinformation that's out there. You know, there was this study that was touted a number of years ago, and then you had people like Jenny McCarthy, you know, who would say, well, you know, my, my child ha- has autism, and I'm convinced that it's linked to this disease. And there was this junk science study that was out there that some people just, just believe, even though it's been completely and totally discredited. But I, I guess what, what bothers me about this is that there's just so many people who, who don't think measles is a big deal. And and to me, they really need to wake up and smell the coffee because it is a big deal. George in Hartford. George, you're on WTMJ. Hi. Hi, George. I just, want, I just wanted to say, um, when I was seven years old, I was given my last rights. I had the measles and it turned into encephalitis. Okay. Uh, miraculously, I made it. But these people got to wake up and uh, mm-hmm. get their children vaccinated so you were one of the i mean uh, what happened to you is rare but it does in fact happen so you're you're here to say that you're you were one of those 1000 kids the one in 1000 that got the measles and ended up with that swelling of the brain yes they had me i don't remember but they had me in um ice ice beds uh-huh keep the fever keep the fever down in the brain from swelling right right and i think they did some spinal taps too so when you hear this and you hear that she we're already we're already pushing 500 cases of measles and and it's the yeah and it, and again it's a disease that was eradicated you know it was we 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 have these vaccines you get the kids to get a shot and then they're taken care of don't thank thanks for calling and i guess do do i say that it is impossible that that somebody could have an adverse reaction to one of those shots well well no i mean that that's always a possibility but i'm i'm an odds guy i'm a do the math guy and you know the the odds of you having that adverse reaction in a normally otherwise healthy kid is, is very very small you know catching the measles well okay that's got some significant input bonnie and franklin bonnie you're in wtmj hello yeah, I, no one has said anything yet about the complications that can happen as a result of measles. Now, generally, these complications do not happen. But my my statement is, why take the chance? Encephalitis, a grave complication. About one in eight will die of encephalitis. Right. Half will have permanent central nervous system injury. Bronchopneumonia is a serious complication. Otitis media, followed by mastoiditis brain abscess even mm-hmm. meningitis isn't that rare so why take the chance that your child is going to get these things if you can simply get your child immunized right and and then your your child is taken care of your your children younger than that is taken care of your kid doesn't become a a type uh, doesn't become a measles carrier if you take them out in public and they come into contact and one of the arguments i get a lot of times bonnie as well if you have your kid vaccinated why should you care if if other kids aren't and and the reality is because some kids can't get vaccinated. Some kids are too young to be vaccinated. And, you know, you go into that daycare and there's the measles virus in the air. And next thing you know, your 12 month, 12 month old child, you know, has the measles and then you're off to the races. That's right. Now, it's now thanks. For, I guess it's just it is a frustration to me. And I understand that we've I understand that there's this kind of this sort of anti vaccination climate that's out there and an increasing number of people and i don't know if it's lazy that's what the first caller said uh, people are too lazy i don't really think it's that i think it's just that there's 
there is perhaps there is this subset of people who are skeptical about you know all right you know do we do this i mean why why are they telling us to get people vaccinated is this just an excuse for doctors and pharmaceutical companies to make money and stuff like that well to which i would say you you, you just you can't deny the the numbers i mean measles used to be something that you know happened to people you know, you'd have thousands and thousands and thousands of cases a year, if not more, and and now it's completely gone away. But it's coming back because people are making what I think, with all due respect, are bad choices. But the purpose of this conversation is to say, for anybody who thinks, well, measles isn't a big deal, well, talk to our caller, George, who said, hey, I was given the last rights. I had this when I was seven, and I'm one of those people that developed uh, the, the brain swelling as a result of this. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, so very glad to have you with us. All right, let me go on record. I am not a cigarette smoker. I've really never been a cigarette smoker. I don't get it. Um, I, You know, I, I think it, it's clear that cigarette smoking is bad for your health. It is expensive. I understand why some people perhaps years and years and years ago maybe started smoking because they didn't fully appreciate, you know, the the dangers that were associated with it. But nowadays, I I swear, I I do not understand when you are – okay, so nowadays what happens is because you're not allowed to smoke inside most establishments, you know, it'll be the dead of winter. You'll be walking up to a bar, and you see like five or six people that are huddled outside the bar in zero-degree weather, you know, having a cigarette. And I'm thinking, huh. All right, what what appeal does this possibly have to somebody who hasn't already developed a, an addiction to tobacco or whatever? So I freely admit I, I don't get this. Having said that, though, there's, there's all sorts of stuff that, that maybe I do that are legal and that if you found out that I did this or I, I can't believe this guy eats red meat or I can't believe this guy spends money doing that or, you know, I, you know, you'd probably say I don't get that either. So I try not to be judgmental other than to say I just don't understand cigarette smoking and I particularly don't understand younger people starting to smoke. I mean, it's, again, like I say, it's one thing if you're 65 years old and you've got this major addiction, but for the 17 or the 18-year-old that decides, hey, I'm going to start spending whatever it grew. Do you even know how much it costs for a pack of cigarettes? Eight bucks or so? Eight dollars. Eight dollars for a pack of cigarettes. You can buy them cheaper if you get a carton, but eight dollars. Okay, eight dollars to shorten your life. All right. I bring this up because even though I don't get it, I, I do appreciate that people... Grown-up people should be able to make choices, which brings me to something that happened in Illinois this week. Illinois has now become the seventh, actually the the eighth state to raise the smoking age, not the drinking age, the smoking age to 21, and that's going to be effective July 1st. So for most of the states in this country, the, the smoking age, you know, you're an adult at 18. You can be drafted. You can get married. You can sign contracts that are legally binding. You can get a tattoo if you choose. But, and you can smoke in most jurisdictions. Now Illinois has become the eighth state. California, Hawaii, Maine, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Oregon, and Virginia, plus now Illinois, effective July 1st, where 
you are not an adult for the purposes of being able to purchase cigarettes. The estimate is that um, now some cities have done this. Chicago did this um, a while back, and Chicago says that by raising the smoking age, the legal age for purchasing cigarettes from 18 to 21, they think that there was about a 36% decline in cigarette use among people who were 18 to 20 years old. The idea being, if it's illegal, it discourages people from doing it, which is the argument that I've always made about legalizing marijuana. If you legalize it, you're going to have a lot more people that end up doing it. They're saying the same thing is true in reverse with cigarettes. You do it, it's legal, more and more people are doing it. So, 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You can get married and you can get a tattoo at 18. Should you be able to buy cigarettes? 414-799-1620, we discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. And, you know, if you're a smoker, I'd be particularly interested in your perspective on this, especially if you're somebody who started relatively recently all right i'm not going to give you a lecture about it but i am curious as to the whys 414-799-1620 we discuss in just a minute this is jeff wagner back to take your calls here's wtmj's jeff wagner 66 degrees outside enjoy the weather while it lasts brian in illinois brian good afternoon hi jeff thanks for uh, sharing the airway there thank you for calling all right illinois your neck of the woods uh kids 18 yeah. to 21 are no longer going to be able to buy cigarettes effective july 1st well i guess first i need a little clarification does that mean purchase or actually have on them and smoke no it means purchase okay so they can actually still do it i look at this stuff pretty much with a broad stroke uh you know certain things they're try you know you can be tried as an adult you can be the government reserves the right to be able to draft you you can go in voluntarily. Uh, all these things are done as adults. Yeah. So I would think that you know all the privileges would go with that instead of what I call cherry-picking. How do you feel uh, about the 21-year-old drinking age? Again, it's a broad stroke. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that if you are held accountable by the, by the government at certain standards for 18, then they should view that all the way across the board. Yeah, see, I, you know, Brian, I agree with you, and I, and whenever I say that, I always get some hostility and stuff. But and and I'm I'm not promoting you know young drinking, other than the fact that you know the drinking age was 18 when I turned 18, and I, it's it's the same sort of thing. If you're old enough to serve in the military and get shot at. I, why shouldn't you be old enough to buy a pack of cigarettes or or be able to buy a beer? I, I just I, I'm the same with you. I have trouble intellectually settling on it. Right, and you know the psychiatrists and so on are saying, well, the the, the mind doesn't really fully mature until 24, and you know if that were the case, then you know recognize that and do it across the board. I mean, I, you can go in buy a car, and right. they're all geared for these younger people. Uh, go buy a car and you're legally obligated. You can buy a house. You, you can, can get married. You can get married. Unfortunately, I did. I was there. Get it. You know, and that was just one, my, not my first dumb one, uh, mistake <laughs> and not my last. But, you know, I'm held accountable. And I think that, you know, just splitting hairs on when somebody's an adult and when they're not. Right. Is, is counterproductive. Just let them know, look, you can do this and everybody at this point uh, I think there's enough information and, and media out there that says these are the likely results of long term. Right, and, and it, no, I'm with, no thanks you call. I'm, yeah, I'm with you that that it's a that it's a, a with all due respect it's it's a bad choice. Again, I don't 
I just, it, it just, I sometimes when I'm walking into these bars, you know, at, at, at again, at 10 o'clock at night, and it's 10 degrees above zero, and you see these people who look like they're particularly like in their early 20s or something who are huddled outside having a cigarette. You just want to like grab them and say, what are you thinking? Okay, but, but at the same time, they're making those various choices. 414-799-1620, Jeff in Sheboygan. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, hi, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. What do you think? Well, uh, I'm well, I'm a smoker, first of all. Okay. Uh, 100%, I, I wish kids would never start. Uh, how, how, long, how long have you been smoking? 40 years, uh, since I was 13. 13? Yeah. Who? Have you? Yeah. I, I I don't mean to put you on the spot, but have you tried to quit before? I'm actually in the process of working on it now. Okay, it's not an easy prospect. No. I have quit before, but I guess overall, my worst thing is first of all, like you were saying with the previous caller, when you're 18, if you can do all these other things, why can't you buy cigarettes? Why can't you drink? Uh, I mean, if you can buy a car and be legally obligated to do all these other things. You know, uh, seatbelt laws. You know, it's like they're just trying to protect us from ourselves. Right. You know, and if we're adults at eighteen for all these other things, we should be able to make decisions for ourselves on everything. Right. Yeah. I guess that. I mean, thanks. And that. That's. I guess that's the situation that that I'm in with this 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 thing. Now, I I want to be consistent. I have always. I, I have always advocated. I, I think the twenty-one-year-old drinking age. I, I think that that, again, is an inconsistent thing with what, again, we're talking about. It seems to me, you're, if you're old enough to vote and in the, be in the military, whatever that age might be, is it going to be 18? That's fine. Is it going to be 19? Is it going to be 20? Is it going to be 21? Is it going to be 25? I don't know. But what, once you set that age, I think there has to be a degree of consistency. And you can try to, again, discourage people from, oh, I don't think you should go out and, and drink even at the age of 21. Or, I don't think you should be, I think you should smoke. At, at 18 and i would be all in favor of all that because again it's just it's flat out not good for you but i'm not part of that nanny state and i don't know that i get to lecture people who aren't related to me about you know what they they do if it's a legal activity karen in watertown karen you're on wtmj good afternoon good afternoon jeff boy did you hit my hot topic today. Uh-oh. okay <laughs> what do you think <laughs> I live in a 55-plus community building, and about five of them insist on smoking. They cannot smoke in their apartments, but they do it right outside the door under a little canopy. Right, regardless regardless of what the weather is, right? Oh, gosh, yes. But, you know, (laughs) the manager had put up a sign that said, please go around the corner by a little park bench area you can sit, and they totally ignore it. And she's only here part-time, so... But, of course, she smokes also. Right. And so she says we have to have patience and feel sorry for them because they have such an addiction. They can't break it. But the rest of us and our guests and great-grandchildren and whatever have to walk through a cloud of smoke. Yeah. They have no consideration for the rest of us. So what do you think they should do? Do you think they should outlaw smoking in the community? Well, that's huh. never going to happen. You and I both know that. Right. But. I also have uh, checked out, and there's a state statute, and a now a Watertown ordinance has been in place for a long time, that you're not to smoke within 20 feet of a public entrance to a right. building. Right. And I happened to talk to the police chief about this, and he says, because there's also um, between a 100 and a $250 fine for that. And he said, well, if one of my patrolmen drove by and saw people out there, they wouldn't stop and say anything. 
Right. And I said, what about the ticket? Oh, we don't even have a ticket on the books that we could write. Right. You don't have a plain blank little piece of, <laughs> piece of paper that you can write it for smoking? He says, yeah. no, we wouldn't do that. Karen, I can tell we've pushed. I can tell we've punched your button on this particular topic. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. See, and I look, and I guess I, I again, I, I, I wrestle with all this because I'm. I don't want anybody to listen to this segment and think that I am encouraging eighteen-year-old kids to smoke. If my well, my niece is now twenty; she'll be twenty-one next January, and I, I, I don't think she smokes. Matter of fact, I think she's she's kind of a health nut, the other extreme, and that's a good way. And if I if I found out that my nephew was considering doing this or any of my you know wife's grandchildren, I, I I would be very unhappy to the extent I end up getting a vote in it. I'm just trying to be intellectually consistent with this and. I just I have a hard time saying, okay, you can get married, you can join the military, but you can't buy cigarettes. Alan in Racine. Hi, Alan. You're on WTMJ. Hello, Jeff. Thanks for taking my Sure. Time. What do you think? Uh, I, I, I am totally, I, I'm on both sides. If you're, like you said, old enough to get shot at, you should be able to make any decision you want. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, it's, and it's your body and your health. I, I'm 52 years old. I've been smoking since I was like 18. Uh, out of all the things I haven't been able to do, it's quit cigarettes. Really? It's humiliating. It's humiliating. I don't want to do it, but I, I got to tell you, if it, tobacco should be illegal, mm-hmm. and, and if and it's not, then medical marijuana shouldn't be illegal either. Uh, but if, if the times I tried to quit, I had some really good times. But when I broke down, I didn't. I wouldn't have went to a, a shady place to buy my cigarettes. I just, I probably wouldn't be smoking right now. I probably wouldn't have for the last 15 years. But every time I had some kind of problem and got weak, they were right there at the gas station. Mm-hmm. And, and it was just way too easy to do it. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I kind of believe in marijuana being illegal. I never really thought about it all until just now when we're mm-hmm. talking about it. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, that's, what, that's how I feel. What, what, Alan, let me ask you this. What is so... What is so hard about about giving it up? Is it the nicotine? Is it the fact that you you like smoking? And the reason I ask is I I have a friend who stopped smoking decades ago and who still says, hey, if he ever got diagnosed with a terminal illness, he'd start smoking again because he'd love to smoke. So there's there's some people that do that. There's some people that just smoke because they're addicted. What what, what what's I, I going on with you? No, okay. I, I don't know. I I you know I I vaped. Uh-huh. There's more nicotine in that vape juice they gave me then there was a cigarette right and uh that didn't stop me I, I, and it sounds ridiculous but that nasty old cigarette and once you quit smoking you notice on that oh yeah yeah but uh that nasty old cigarette you no longer want that fruity vape juice you want that nasty <laughs> I, can't, I cannot explain it it's like nobody takes a shot of whiskey the first time and likes it i don't think right it's an acquired taste no i it definitely is well thanks for thanks for sharing i, I wish you the best of luck i i do and i and, and i again the, the takeaway of this is especially for people who might be younger who are listening to the show who who haven't who haven't smoked cigarettes it's like don't start there, there's really there's really nothing good that that comes of this it's expensive it, it's not good for you now again i i understand that there's other things that are not good for you that people do and you could say hey jeff you like that bur- that glass of bourbon every once in a while you know that's expensive and that's not good for you and i i acknowledge that so but i mean it's a choice i make because i i like it so i don't like lecturing people on this 
But at the same time, the fundamental issue is how far does government go in trying to say when you can do stuff and when you can't. And I, I just think that's the issue of principle as opposed to thinking it's a good idea to go out and smoke, smoke, smoke that cigarette. When we come back, we're going to find out what John McCure has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Please stick around.